well, it's always just an honor or privilege to get an opportunity to speak with you. If you've been here these last couple weeks, you know we've been talking about the names that God has revealed for himself. We've talked about Elohim, the, the creator, the mighty and powerful God. Yahweh, the great I am, the God who just is. El Shaddai, the source, the God that's enough. And Abba, the father who loves to adopt orphans. And I hope this has just given you some new insight into who God is, what his character is about. And we're going to continue by examining another of God's names today. Now this time of year, we often think about family. Our families certainly do a lot to shape who we are. Some of it has to do with our parents, how we're raised. But I think we'd also agree that the configuration of your family will shape you. Maybe you're an only child. Or maybe you come from a large family. Those experiences are different, and it's not surprising that those kinds of experiences influence us. Now me, I'm the oldest in my family. I have two brothers. One's quite a bit younger than me. And as the oldest in the family, a lot of times you become the de facto babysitter. Those of you the oldest, you know what I'm talking about, right? I remember those times you'd be out at a store or someplace like that, and my mom would be saying, keep an eye on your brother. Now, the problem with this situation is that regardless of being given charge over your sibling or siblings, you're just not the same as a parent should some kind of trouble arise, right? If I needed to rein in the behavior of one of my brothers, I just didn't carry the same weight as my parents. I'm not them. So if I'm saying, hey, stop getting into that or something like that, you'd hear these immortal words in return. You are not the boss of me. Am I right? You ever heard that? See, this whole situation, it comes down to a question of authority. I just don't have the same authority as my parents. Even if they put me in charge, if my brothers don't want to respect that, I'm in a tenuous situation. And you know, authority's taken a beating these days. People just don't want to respect authority. Whether it's parents or the police, or political leaders, or bosses. We just have this thing in us that doesn't want to submit to authority. We want to be our own authority. And the fact that some in authority have abused it, something we've been hearing a lot about lately, doesn't help at all. Authority has gotten a bad name because of it. Well, today we're going to be looking at a name of God that has, that God's revealed for himself that has to do with authority. So as we get started, if you haven't gotten your study guide ready, either the paper one out of your worship folder or the electronic one from the New Life app, now's the time to do so so we can get going into the Word. Now, the name of God we're going to look at today is Adonai. Adonai is the one, one of the most commonly used uh, names in the, of God in the Bible, along with Yahweh and Elohim. It appears 439 times in Scripture in 26 different books, starting in Genesis and going all the way through Malachi. In prepping for this, I looked at every one of those scriptures. And it was like a tour of some of the greatest passages in the Old Testament. So what does it mean? Adonai is the plural form of the word Adon, which means my Lord. It isn't really a proper name, per se. It's more of a title or description, similar to the name Elohim. Now, I know in this day and age, the word Lord just doesn't have as much meaning for us as it did 2,000 years ago. 
in the ages of kings and royalty. In that time, everyone understood the kind of absolute authority these people had. Some were born in their positions, others achieved it through wealth. The dictionary had three definitions of the word Lord. Listen to them. One, a person who has authority, control, or power over others. A master, chief, or ruler. Second, a person who exercises authority from property rights, such as an owner of land, houses, etc. Third, a person who is a leader or has great influence in a chosen profession, such as a lord of banking. And I think all three of those definitions definitely apply when you consider God. Now, I said a minute ago that Adonai is plural. Some people see that as an evidence of the Trinity. You know, since God is one God and three persons, that uh, Adonai is plural. It's easy to draw that conclusion, right? But there are some problems with that view. One is, even though the word Adonai is itself plural, it's often used in conjunction with words in the Hebrew that are singular. So a lot of biblical scholars take the view that the plural nature of the word isn't a commentary on the triune nature of God. It's really just an indicator of how big God is. In other words, God's just too big to be referred to in the singular. It's an indicator of his, his majesty, his vastness, and his ultimate authority. Now, there's an interesting link between Adonai and Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton. Remember that, the four letters? We talked about that two weeks ago. In many cases, the Jewish people used the name Adonai as a substitute for that personal sacred name of God they didn't want to speak. Now, remember that the Tetragrammaton is four consonants, which is not the easiest to say. We add vowels and pronounce it Yahweh. But to remind themselves not to say the Tetragrammaton, the Jewish people took the vowels from the name Adonai, put them between those four consonants, which became the name we know in English as Jehovah. So given all that, you're reading your Bible and you run across uh, the name of God in your English translation, how do you know what it is? Is it Adonai? What is that? If it says God or Lord, how do you know what it is in the original text? Well, the short answer is you don't. But if you read up on your translation and how it's done, you'll find that the translators try to leave you some breadcrumbs to help you know which name is which. Let's look at how some of the English translations commonly handle the names Adonai and Elohim. The King James renders both of them Lord God, so you can't really tell. The ESV uses the same words, but different capitalization to differentiate them. The NIV renders them differently. It uses sovereign Lord for the name Adonai as its default, and I like that one because I think it conveys the royalty and supreme authority of God. And the New Living Translation uses the same words as the NIV. Now, keep in mind as you're reading your Bible, those aren't hard and fast rules. The translation for each occurrence is going to depend on the context and some other factors, but that gives you an idea. If you see Sovereign Lord in the NIV, though, it's almost certainly Adonai in the Hebrew. Now, I mentioned that the name Adonai appears all over the Old Testament in some very important passages. Let's just look at a few of them. The first appearance of this name is in Genesis 15, where Abraham or Abram there, but you might know him better as Abraham, receives the promise of a son. In Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, Adonai, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one will, who inherit my state 
is Eliezer of Damascus, his servant. Skip down to verse 5. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham also uses the name Adonai four times as he bargained with God over how many righteous men it would take to spare the city of Sodom in Genesis 18. Moses used the name Adonai as he had this conversation with God in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, Adonai. I've never been eloquent, nor in the past, or since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, Adonai. Please send someone else. Now, I think it's very interesting here. God uses the name that conveys God's authority to defy his authority. God tells him to go, and Moses says, Ah, sorry, God, get somebody else. No wonder the next verse says God was, his anger burned against Moses. Moses also uses the name Adonai in Exodus 5 as he asks God to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh after he refused to give them straw to make bricks. He uses the name Adonai at the end of his song in Exodus 15. Moses calls God Adonai when he receives the new stone tablets with the Ten Commandments in Exodus 34. He calls God Adonai as he asks God to clear the way for the people of Israel to enter the promised land in Numbers 14. And Moses uses it again in Deuteronomy 3 as he asks him to enter the promised land after God told him he couldn't. In Deuteronomy 3.24 he says, Sovereign Lord, Adonai, you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Joshua uses the name Adonai when he tells about a miracle God's about to do. In Joshua 3.11, See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth, Adonai, will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, Adonai, set forth in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Joshua also used the name Adonai in chapter 5 when God told him that the walls of Jericho would fall, and in chapter 7 when he dealt with the sin of Achan. Gideon calls God Adonai twice in Judges chapter 6 when God calls him to lead the Israelites into battle. Samson uses the name Adonai to call on God one last time when he sacrifices himself to defeat the Philistines. Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Jehovah, Sovereign Lord, Adonai, remember me. Please, God, that's Jehovah, strengthen me once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. David uses the name Adonai seven times in 2 Samuel chapter 7 in his prayer in response to God telling him he wouldn't build the temple, but the throne of his offspring would last forever. Solomon calls God Adonai in his prayer of the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8.53. Nehemiah uses the name Adonai several times, including this verse in chapter 8 of his book, verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice, choice food and sweet drinks and send them to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord, Adonai. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord, Jehovah, is your strength. 
The name Adonai appears over 60 times throughout the Psalms. How about this one from Psalm 8? Lord, Jehovah, our Lord, Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 68, verse 19. Praise be to the Lord, Adonai, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, Adonai, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord, Adonai, and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Isaiah uses the name Adonai 53 times in his book and once more in 2 Kings 19. He uses it in his vision of God in chapter 6. Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Adonai, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord, Adonai, saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah also uses it in chapter 61 in the passage where Jesus quotes in the New Testament. He says that he's his ultimate fulfillment. Isaiah 61.1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, Adonai, is on me because the Lord, Jehovah, has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jeremiah calls God Adonai in chapter 32 of his book. Verse 17, Ah, Sovereign Lord, Adonai, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Ezekiel uses the name Adonai more than any other book, 214 times. God's called by that name four times alone in his vision of the Valley of Dry Bones in chapter 37. Daniel calls Adonai eight times in his prayer in Daniel chapter 9. And one last one because it is Christmas. Let's end with this prophecy from Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord, Adonai himself, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. I could get fired up about reading some scriptures like that. And we've looked at a number of passages here. You know, we've only scratched the surface of the 400 plus places Adonai is used throughout the Old Testament. But let's not lose sight of the fact that the authority of God, in particular Jesus Christ, doesn't stop as we move into the New Testament. Throughout the New Testament, the authority of Jesus was proclaimed. Even before he was born as a human baby, the angels declared it. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you great news that's cause for great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angels say that the Lord is coming, and that Lord's going to be the chosen Savior. But despite this, his authority, he would also be a servant as well. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus humbling himself and washing the feet of his disciples in preparation for sharing their last meal together before he went to the cross. And after he did this, he says this to them in verse 13, John 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus himself says here, he's not only the, their teacher, but their Lord. He isn't just explaining things to them. He has authority as well. Paul talks about the authority of Jesus in this profound passage in his letter to the Philippians. 
And Paul talks about the humility of Jesus, but then reminds us that it's all the more amazing because his humility comes despite his position and power and authority. Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. There's Christmas. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, God himself, yet come to earth as a human baby. Jesus, exalted king, and yet humble servant. Jesus, sinless and perfect, yet willing sacrifice. Paul says that every every knee one day will bow and acknowledge the authority of Jesus. Every knee of everyone who has ever lived, the rich, the poor, the powerful, the commoner, Everyone will confess that Jesus is the one and only all-powerful king. The only choice you have in this matter, if you're going to do it now, here in this life, or you're going to wait until this life is over. And that choice will shape your destiny. So given this truth, your choice plants you in one of two groups today. You willingly acknowledge the lordship, the authority of Adonai in your life, now, or you don't. Now, make no mistake, Jesus is God's son. Adonai, the sovereign Lord, regardless of your choice. It's not a question of whether it's true. It is. And it's true whether you agree with that or not. The question is, do you accept that truth willingly or reject it? And there's no in-between on this question. No, maybe. You do or you don't. Do you recognize the authority of Adonai? Is God your sovereign Lord? Is Jesus Christ the boss of you? Now, I want to say some things specifically to each of these groups today. And let me start with those of you who say, Pastor Joe, Adonai is my Lord. I know, I believe, I accept that today. So here's my question for those of you that are in this camp. Is Adonai really your Lord? Does your life reflect that reality? Who's in the driver's seat of your life? Does Adonai influence and shape your day-to-day existence? Is, Is he taking the wheel and guiding you on life's journey? Or are you doing the driving and you got him in the back seat? Hey, Jesus, nice to have you along for the ride, but I'm in charge here. Just stay back there and let me do the driving. (laughs) To help you answer this, let's touch on six areas where Adonai may or may not be your Lord. Number one, is Adonai the Lord of your ego? Oh, we Americans, we like that rugged, independent thing, right? We don't need anybody. After all, we have our rights. We have our freedom. We can do anything we want. Well, the Bible doesn't see it that way. 
Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. When something is successful that you're involved in, do you need to get the credit for it? How do you feel when someone else gets the recognition or accolades and you don't? Do you always have to be the center of attention? Or you can tend to do something where you're behind the scenes. Do you have everything all figured out? Or are you teachable? Can you accept help and constructive criticism? Does it always have to be your way? I don't know about you, but I really don't want God opposing me. <laughs> Scripture's right, pride's going to lead to a fall. But if you're humble, you'll like this verse, James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Second, is Adonai Lord of your speaking? What's coming out of your mouth these days? If Pastor Steve was there to hear the things you say, would you still say them? Jesus was pretty tough on what we say. Matthew 12, verse 34. You brood of vipers... How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. I don't like that one. Jesus knew that what we say reflects what's inside of us. Speech that's constructive comes from the good that's inside of us. Speech that's destructive comes from things inside of us that are not so good. What kind of words are you saying these days? Words that build, each other, build others up? Words that encourage? Words that show concern? Or are they words that wound? Are you speaking lies or running someone else down behind their back? Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is that we don't take the Lord's name in vain. And last time I checked, those didn't get repealed with the New Testament. What kind of language do you use? Not just God's name as a swear word. What other words are you saying that don't bring honor to Adonai? Remember when you speak, Jesus hears every word you say. Third, is Adonai the Lord of your pursuits? You know, maybe you have a job, maybe you're a student or raising children, maybe you're retired. Whatever you do, is Jesus guiding you? Are you following his lead? Are you making plans without consulting Adonai? You ought to be shaping and guiding your plans, not just along for the ride. James 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're amidst that appears for just a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Do you see yourself as God's ambassador in whatever you do? Are you using your job or other pursuits to further God's kingdom? 
Or are you an undercover Christian? Does anyone even know you claim Adonai as your king? You know, a friend of mine got a chance at a, a job promotion, and, and it was going to be more money, you know, and of course it would have more authority. But I cautioned him because he, he just didn't seem to be letting God guide his decision. Sounded like the kind of job that was going to take over his life. And that's exactly what happened. He didn't have the same flexibility to do ministry anymore and eventually got into a conflict with another manager and ended up unemployed. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't take advancement at work. It could very well be a gift of God. I'm saying count the cost and let the sovereign Lord guide your decision, not money and position. And that leads me to number four. Is Adonai the Lord of your resources? Now, I know this one strikes close to home, doesn't it? Do you see Adonai, the sovereign master, as the owner of your stuff? Or do you see it as yours? Psalm 50, verse 9. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you the world is mine and all that's in it. God made everything, so it's ultimately his. Since it isn't your stuff to begin with, use it for Adonai's benefit. You know, he's sharing it with you graciously to use to live, and that's his gift to you. But don't see it as yours, it's just on loan. You know, when it comes to supporting God's work, he doesn't need you, he doesn't need me. He's giving us the opportunity to have a part in doing his work on this earth. It's for our benefit. Be generous as you support his purposes here inside these walls, in our community, and throughout the world. And though we all need money to live, don't be a slave to it. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one, love the other, or be devoted to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Don't serve money. Serve Adonai. He's a much better master. Number five. Is Adonai the Lord of your purity? Now, I know this is one that many struggle with, and things like the internet and social media haven't made it easy to stay pure. There's 24-7 access to things that aren't positive influences in our lives. When you're by yourself and nobody's watching, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? What are you looking at? You may be thinking nobody sees, but God does. Hebrews 13.4, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. If you aren't married, then don't mess with things that aren't intended for you. God designed the sexual relationship for marriage. If you are married, you took an oath before God to be faithful to your spouse. Keep it. Don't be dabbling in things you shouldn't be. Don't be reaching out online to someone when you know it's not right. Don't start down a path that's going to take you somewhere you don't even want to go. If you're involved in some sin or a moral relationship, I have just one thing to say to you today. Stop. Get out now before it's too late. And some of you here today, you know this is for you. Don't just feel God's nudge on this and think, well, I know I shouldn't be involved in this, but do something about it. 
Finally, number six, is Adonai the Lord of your priorities? Where does Adonai fall in the grand scheme of your life? Is he in the top five? The top three? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Sounds to me like Jesus wants to be top dog. Is he? If I haven't stepped on some toes, here we go. Are you using your gifts and talents for Adonai? Now, many of you use your gifts faithfully. A lot of you are doing it today, but far too many don't. Well, some of you are going to say, well, you know, I don't have anything to give. I think the Bible is very clear that everyone has gifts to use to build up the church. Check out Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. They're very clear. Folks, there are too many people that come and receive here but don't give of themselves. Sure, we're all busy, but it's a matter of priorities. Get in the game. Don't just sit on the sidelines. This church body isn't functioning at the level it ought to be unless all of us are serving with the gifts and talents God gave us. I challenge you, if you aren't serving, start. If you're serving before but you aren't now, get back involved. And for that matter, are you gathering here for worship regularly? Now, nobody's here every week, I know that, but are you here 75% of the time? Half the time? Maybe not that much? Hebrews 10.25 says we should not pass up meeting together, and more so as we see the return of Jesus coming closer. I think the return of Jesus is coming closer. You not only get worship and the teaching of the Word, but there's the fellowship of other believers. We need all of those things. God designed us that way. You're missing out when you aren't here. Weekly worship gatherings need to be a priority in your life. And if you are coming, how about getting here on time? How would it go over at your job if you were late constantly? I bet it wouldn't go too well. And I bet a lot of you wouldn't do it because it's going to cost you something. If Adonai is truly your Lord, I think he's worth leaving 10 minutes sooner for. Just saying. And if you're going to be on time, come ready to worship right from the start. Don't wait till you're in 15 minutes and go, oh yeah, Jesus. Engage with him full on right from the get-go. You know, as someone who plans our worship gatherings week in and week out, we don't put things in at the beginning that are throwaways. We're trying to facilitate a meaningful encounter with Ad and I for you every week right from the start. As you consider these things, think about how you choose your priorities. A thousand years from now, are you going to be happy with how you spent your time on the earth? Are you going to be wishing that you put what lasts for all eternity before things that just don't stand the test of time? I'm not pointing out these areas in your life to lay a guilt trip on you. This isn't about doing things to earn God's favor, because guess what? You can't. What I'm getting at with these questions is not your actions, it's your attitude. Maybe you're messing up in one of these areas, but your attitude is, Adonai, please, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Will you help me with it? As opposed to, 
Eh, it's no big deal. God's not the boss of me. I am. What I'm saying is how you act in these areas reflects your heart. It's a reflection of how you really see the lordship of Adonai in your life, regardless of what you say. None of us are perfect. I, I get that. But if Adonai is really the boss of you, your attitude is going to be such that you're going to want him let be in the driver's seat, right? In all areas of your life. Now, let me talk to those of you for a second who haven't bowed the knee to Adonai as your Lord. And maybe even to a few of you that are saying you have, but maybe not in the most important way. And here's my one final question to those of you in this group. Is Adonai Lord of your heart? You need to just not acknowledge him as your Lord, but as your Savior. The whole reason Jesus came to earth in the form of a human baby, was to make a way for us to have a relationship with God forever. Our sin, the things that we do that break God's law, those things create a barrier between mankind and a perfect holy God. God sent his only son, Jesus, to earth, fully God and fully man, all at the same time. That's what Paul was saying in Philippians 2. Because Jesus lived a human life, he experienced all the things that we, we do in our lives, but because he was God, he did what none of us can do. He lived a perfect human life. As Jesus taught about God and his kingdom, the religious leaders that day were threatened by it. So they plotted to have him killed. It was undeserved, but it was part of God's plan. Jesus willingly allowed himself to be put to death on a Roman cross. His blood poured out to pay for your sins and mine. He acted as, as our substitute. His enemies, they thought they'd won. But Jesus rose from the grave alive three days later. His resurrection defeated death and made the way for us to have a relationship with God again. His payment for our sin breaks the barrier between God and man. And Jesus is still alive today. He wants to be your Adonai, the Lord of your life, so you can spend all of eternity with him. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What you need to do is acknowledge him as Lord now in this life. Once this life is over, at the final judgment, everybody's going to confess Jesus as Lord. But if you don't do it willingly in this life, it's going to be too late. Your destiny is going to be sealed. You're going to spend eternity separated from God in a real, literal hell. No matter if you've already accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf, or if you haven't, I can't imagine a better gift you can give yourself and those that love you than to make Jesus the Lord of your life, your Adonai. And if you haven't done so, I urge you to do it today. And if you have... I hope you will renew your commitment to make Adonai the sovereign Lord of every aspect of your life. Let's pray. As we bow our heads now in the quiet of this moment, I'm going to ask you to speak and respond to God's word today. If you've already acknowledged Adonai as your Lord and Savior, I wonder if he's truly the Lord of all areas of your life. As we looked into the Word today, if you know God was talking to you about His Lordship and one or more aspects of your life, will you raise your hand and just say, Pastor Joe, please pray for me. I see those hands, and I'm right there with you. Thank you.
For some of you here today, Adonai isn't the Lord of your heart. He's not your Savior. You've never accepted His free gift of eternal life. God longs for you to be with Him in heaven forever. Not to experience the eternal death that we all deserve. If you'd like to take that step today, will you raise your hand and say, Pastor Joe, please pray for me. Thank you, I see those hands. Thank you. God, uh, there's some hard truth to face in this. I know that. And God, just as these folks, many of them are saying, I got to make some changes. And I'm, I'm thankful for how you've spoken to me through the word. Get ready for this. We could probably all stand to make you more the Lord, put you more in the driver's seat, many aspects of our lives. Help us, God. We can't do it on our own. We need you. And for every person that raised their hand and those maybe that are thinking about it but they didn't, God, I pray that you would help them. Come alongside them. Take the wheel. Give them what they need to do what you're calling them to do. God, for those that have said they'd like to bow the knee to you today, I, I'm excited about that, God. So here's what I ask for them. I pray, God, you give them the boldness and courage to just take that next step and talk to someone and find out how they can know for sure. Not walk out of this room, God. We, we just don't know tomorrow, just like James said. We don't know what's going to happen. This might be the last chance to put Adonai in the driver's seat of their lives, to bow the knee and acknowledge him as Savior. Don't let them walk out of here today without doing it. God, help them. Give them what they need to get there. God, for all of us, may we use this Christmas season as a chance to just be more, more uh, faithful about having you as our Lord. Thanks for this time together in the Word, God. Ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship in a moment. And please, use this time to respond to God. If you've felt God dealing with you in either of these areas, the prayer partners are here. They would love to pray with you. Maybe you're looking for someone just to say, hey, I need help in this area. Pray for me. If you're one of those folks that wants to know Jesus as your Lord and bow the knee, talk to one of them. They'll be glad to walk you through how you can know before you walk out these doors that you are in God's forever family, that you have put Adonai on the throne of your life. Don't go without doing that. We're going to use this next song now as an opportunity to just affirm the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. So let's stand together as we worship.